Hello and welcome in to Lockdown Blackhawks for Tuesday, March 17th. 2020 it's st patrick's day hope you're having a great st patrick's day wherever you are probably at home maybe you're one of those people that's stuck at work whatever it is i appreciate you tuning in listening to the podcast my name is jay zawoski lockdown blackhawks is part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day apologies for my voice i've been fighting a cold and it's just a cold for like the last two weeks and it's really annoying and i think it's in the final stages but it's moved from my head to my ears, and now to my throat. So I'm trying to work it all the way down. I guess it's only got a few more places to go before it's totally out of me. But uh, I can tell I sound not great. Hopefully it's not too unbearable for you. I appreciate you tuning in regardless. And uh, this will be a probably shorter than a typical Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. We've got Talk Back Tuesday, but didn't get a ton as we've been doing it every single day. Uh, a couple things I want to remind you of before we get started. When you want to get in touch with the podcast, voicemail, 708-653-0572. Email is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can follow my personal account at jayzawoski670. And, of course, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at MadhousePod. Uh, also, follow this show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Before we get into the Q&A section of the show... Want to remind everybody that tomorrow's show, Wednesday's show, we're going to review and have a post-game show for Game 5 of the 2010 Stanley Cup Western Conference quarterfinals against the Nashville Predators. We're going to do a different game from a series uh, in 2010 as this goes on. For the Stanley Cup final, maybe we'll do every damn game. Maybe we will because there's nothing else to do. There's no sports in the foreseeable future. Hockey players have been sent home. More on that in a little bit. So we've got some time to kill. But assignment number one, watch Nashville Game 5 from 2010. The link to that game is in the notes and the comments of this episode and of yesterday's episode. Real easy to find on YouTube. Just Google or just type into YouTube Nashville Game 5, April 2010, and you'll see it's a long file there. It's about two hours long. And that's the one you're going to want to watch, and we will react to it on tomorrow's podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. Got a lot of great feedback about that idea, so I hope everybody likes it. By the way, speaking of that, if anyone knows how to do a watch party with YouTube, I know you can do it on Facebook, but can you do it on YouTube? Does anyone know how? If anyone knows how, email me, lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. Maybe next time we do this, we can get a group of people together, watch it together, comment on the game together and then have it for the uh post game the next day that could be a fun way to do things as we move on here so if anyone knows how to do it or anyone has a suggestion please let me know lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com all right before we get into the questions discussed yesterday how rocky Wirtz and uh jerry reinsdorf agreed to pay all of the united center employees during the pause of the season rocky Wirtz joined Mike Mulligan and David Haw on 670 The Score this morning and uh, had some comments about the decision and why they did it. Give this a listen. This is courtesy of 670 The Score and the Mulligan Haw Show. We had a whole group on the phone, you know, of all the folks. Uh, Jerry was one of them and Friday, and then he called me about 12 noon on Saturday. He said, this is crazy. You and I, he said, I just needed to know the figures. He said, you and I can make a decision. I said, yeah, absolutely can. And he said... Um, 
uh, we have those. We have fourteen games, right? It's, yeah, seven and seven. He said, uh, how, "How much a game?" And he added up about three and a half million dollars. He said, uh, "These, these, we got to take care of these people." And I said, "Absolutely." And I said, uh, um, "I said so. Let's get ahead of it and let's let's." Uh, just calm everyone down. I mean, have complete empathy. Uh, the people are going from paycheck to paycheck, rightfully so, and they're scared. Um, and uh, so he, Jerry's such a class act. It, it took you know, like two minutes. Um, I've never seen him take a note because he doesn't have to. His word is his bond, and that's why we get along so well that, uh, um, you know, it's a flat decision-making, and we just did it, and they said, let's, let's uh, get the powers of AB and get the word out and, and be done with it. Well, that's fantastic, and I think it, it is a, it's great leadership on both your parts because I think it's telling people how to behave during this sort of thing. You know, you got to maintain your humanity, and more than ever, kindness and, and generosity is, is vital for people, and, uh, and God bless you for doing that, Rocky. That's great news. Well, it's funny. It's funny. I, there's a uh, hot dog uh, restaurant in, in Northfield, Illinois, and, and so I stopped in there and got a couple hot dogs on Sunday. First thing the guys did behind the counter was thank you know thanking uh, Jerry and myself for for the gesture and and um, and those are the those are the folks that we're talking about and this place is usually very crowded there's like four people in there at, right. at twelve o'clock and it it's uh, so you know you, you have you can you know I said Jerry Jerry and myself are not going to miss a paycheck but those those folks that that work for us that make us look good every day are the ones that are going to miss the paycheck and that's that's the key thing. That was Rocky Wirtz with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. That interview happened on Monday. You can go to 670thescore.com and listen to the whole thing. It's really, really good, really solid. Uh, I think Hawks fans generally have good feelings about Rocky Wirtz. I know Chicago sports fans don't have good feelings about Jerry Reinsdorf, and it's totally understandable. I'm not telling you you should, but here's one thing that, that I will say about him, and this is what Rocky said. He is his word is bond. He is a, a loyal to a fault, a loyal guy who takes care of his own. That's why you still see John Paxson, Gar Foreman, you know, Kenny Williams, all those guys who maybe in other organizations in other cities would have been asked to move on that haven't been yet because they're Reinsdorf guys. And while it's really frustrating as a sports fan to not see the accountability held by Jerry Reinsdorf, there's a reason that people work for him their entire lives. And yes, it's a flaw as a sports owner, but as a human being, it's not. Loyalty is not a bad thing from a human being. So want to give a little bit of props to Jerry Reinsdorf and for Rocky Wirtz for doing the right thing, for paying these employees. Rocky said it. We're not going to miss a check. Our workers are going to miss a check. And they're the ones that keep the organization going. I've got family who is on that list of employees, those part-time employees that relies on a check from the Hawks games and the Bulls games and all those things. So very happy she's being taken care of and everybody is. During this time, we need to all take care of each other in whichever way we can. And, uh, you know, Rocky Wirtz and Jerry Reinsdorf are loaded. They've got generational wealth, especially Rocky Wirtz, and they can afford to take a little bit of a financial hit for the well-being of their employees, and they're doing it, and it's great. There is no negative to this at all. Props to Jerry Reinsdorf and Rocky Wirtz for doing the right thing and paying their employees during this crisis. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. Very much looking forward to Wednesday's Lockdown Blackhawks where we can react 
and have a post-game show for a game that is 10 years old. Nashville, Game 5. Watch that game today. Get ready for Wednesday morning. The link to that entire game is in the description of this podcast and Monday's podcast. Easy to find. It's about a two-hour commitment. You've got plenty of time. Everybody has plenty of time right now. So let's watch this game. Let's react to it together. Tomorrow's post-game show is going to be a lot of fun. I wonder if I can go on Natural Stat Trick and go over the numbers in that game. We'll do the pluses and minuses. We'll do the whole deal. So make sure you tune in. Make sure you watch that game. It's going to be a lot of fun to reminisce about one of the most memorable games of the 2010 Cup run and, truthfully, of the Hawks Cup run at all. That was one of the most memorable ones of all time. Really, it was. Uh, All right, before we get to the listener questions, here is the update from the NHL regarding player activity and movement during the season pause. This is from the NHL Public Relations Twitter account. It reads, Effective immediately, players can opt to return home outside of the club's home city, including outside of North America, to the extent flights are available. The self-quarantine period should continue within the player's home through and including Friday, March 27th, unless a longer period may be required in accordance with local mandates related to travel. Players should continue to report immediately any symptoms or testing results to club medical staff. At the end of the self-quarantine period, and depending on world developments between now and then, consideration will be given to allowing the opening of club facilities to players in scheduled and coordinated small groups for voluntary training and care of the players on the same basis as in the offseason. Our objective will be that in addition to continuing regular updates, we'll be able to provide high-level guidance on a potential of opening a training camp period roughly 45 days into the 60-day period covered by the CDC's directive. So, I know that's a lot, but at best, we're looking at the end of May, For return to hockey, that's at best, and I think that's optimistic. But if somehow this curve flattens out and things do not get as bad in the United United States as they got in Italy, then maybe that could be a possibility. However, every trend we've seen so far is that the U.S. is right on pace with or is exceeding Italy in pace. The other thing is there's been so few tests done that the number is probably way higher than we actually know as far as infected people go. So I think saying the end of May is optimistic. Baseball is talking about not returning till July. So it's going to be a long road ahead. It really is. And uh, hunker down. Look, we're in day three of this, day four of this, and I'm already starting to lose my mind. My daughter is going insane. She's nine, and she's just like, I got to see a friend. I got to do something. I've got to get out of the house. I'm going crazy. Yesterday, we went for a walk in the woods. That was really nice. If you've got a place around you, go do that. We went to Isaac Walton Preserve in Homewood. It's one of our favorite places. It's where she plays ball during the summer and the fall, so it was nice to be back down there. But just an eeriness hanging over everything. I went to uh, Walgreens today to get some cough medicine for myself, and it was a ghost town, and... The few people that were in there would like go out of their way to not cross paths. And the the checker was an old woman. I was very surprised to see a woman well into her 70s was the checkout 
person at uh, Walgreens, and I just try not to touch hands and like immediately purelling and ugh, it's just a really weird existence. And I am not a germaphobe. If anything, I'm the opposite of that. I'm one of those like, ah, you know, our bodies are designed to fight off whatever infections we come through. You know, if you get dirty, it's not a big deal. You know, like, yeah, you don't have to wash your hands before every meal. It's fine. But this has changed me, man. This is like every 10 minutes I'm washing my hands, I swear. And and I've got dry skin to start with. And my hands are just cracked and bleeding and awful. It's not fun. So let's have some fun. Let's do some fun stuff here. Let's get some listener questions uh, on this informal Talk Back Tuesday. First question comes from Twitter and John Alfano. John says, can you see any scenario where either Kane or Taves is traded? Let's be honest. We need a rebuild. We're not one or two players away. We're closer to three to five. It's not fair to 88 or 19. Father time waits for no one. Good question. I know this is on a lot of people's minds and... It's something I've wrestled with a lot. Here's the deal. If you trade either of those guys, you're not going to win the trade. Okay, there's no chance of that. The fact that you've had... Well, first, let me answer your question, John. I do not. I don't see a scenario where John McDonough and Stan Bowman or whoever the new GM is, and maybe if there is a new GM, it changes the chances a little bit, depending on who it is. But I just don't see the Blackhawks knowing how they operate, trading two of the most accomplished players in their franchise. Now, my personal take, with the emergence of Doc, DeBrinkett, Strom, Kubelik, Boquist, the soon-to-be-here Ian Mitchell, probably, uh, you know, Nicholas Bodan looked good in one game. It's one game, I know. Lucas Carlson's looked okay. Carter Murphy had a good season. There's a little bit of hope that some of these young players might turn into something. Now, here's the, the issue is that aside from Mitchell, all the guys with any chance of contributing at the NHL level have played at this level now. There's no more prospects, again, outside of Ian Mitchell, in the system that are like, okay, when this guy arrives, it'll be something. No. They've all played. They've all done it. Doc, Boquist, Bodan, Carlson, like all these guys we've mentioned. You even had guys like Dylan Secura, who two years ago was considered a pretty good prospect. And he hasn't done anything in an extended look in the NHL and strikes me as a 4A hockey player, right? The kind of guy who's probably too good for Rockford, but not good enough for the NHL. Brandon Peary was that guy for a long time. When he finally went to Vegas, he sort of became a decent NHL scorer. But it ain't going to happen here, I don't think. So, if, there's a lot of ifs here, but if Doc turns into a legit number two center next year, if Adam Boquist becomes a legit, I would say next year, top three, on a good team, top three, on this team, probably number two. If Taves and Kane can maintain their level of play. If Brandon Saad comes back. If Kubelik is re-signed. If Strom is re-signed or dealt for a defenseman of similar talent and age. 
If, 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 if. These are a lot of ifs. Alex DeBrinkin, I think, will be better next year. He'll have a bounce back year. I think that's pretty predictable. So, but again, where's the help coming from? And even if there is a big salary cap jump this offseason, all it's going to mean is the Hawks are able to bring back all the guys they have as restricted free agents. Strom, Kubalik, Kajula, Cuckoo, etc. I don't think there's going to be any big names added, especially considering they need a goalie. And at this point, it's probably going to have to be Corey Crawford. Talkback Tuesday continues here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Next email comes from Len. Len, kind of long questions here, so I'm going to get to them real quick. Uh, He says, first off, what's the difference between a defensive defenseman and a puck-moving defenseman? I assume a puck-moving defenseman is one who can get the puck out of the defensive zone quickly, but shouldn't that be a skill every defensive defenseman should have? That's true. There's no doubt about that. And at the NHL level, most guys can move the puck pretty well. But, and if you do the homework assignment, watch Nashville Game 5 with us, you'll see the difference between an entire defensive core of puck-moving defensemen and a couple guys that are okay at it. The Blackhawks right now have two true puck movers, Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist. That's it. And Keith's game has slowed down in that element because he's 36 years old. Understandable. When the Hawks were winning cups, they had Keith, Seabrook, Jalmerson, Oduya, Letty, Campbell, Bufflin, all these guys from top to bottom could move the puck out of the zone consistently and with accuracy. And a lot of guys on the team now have the ability to do it occasionally. Connor Murphy can do it, not all the time. Slater Cuckoo can do it, not all the time. Those guys, those Blackhawks, especially Campbell and Letty and Keith, and I thought Nicholas Jalmerson, despite never being a big numbers producer, big point producer, was a really good puck mover. Those guys you can count on for getting the puck in the defensive zone and getting it to a forward in a neutral zone in the blink of an eye on the tape. And that's why those Hawks teams were as great as they were. Yes, they had a lot of star players. Taves, Kane, Keith, Seabrookosa, it goes on and on, right? But it's their depth. The depth of defense, they had six quality NHL defensemen. They had six top four defensemen. At least, right? Then, not only that, you were deep at center. You had Taves all the time. You had Brad Richards. You had Marcus Kruger, Dave Boland, Antoine Vermette, Tavo Teravainen. All these centers that kind of cycled in and out over the years provided depth up and down the middle. And the years the Hawks were close to cups but lost It's because the other teams had more depth up the middle. The LA Kings, for example. That was usually the difference. So, if you want to talk about, you know, yes, everyone should have that ability. But it's rare for an entire team like the Hawks did in in the 2010s to be able to do it as well as they did it. He goes on to ask, as hockey fans, are we over enamored with offensive defensemen? That certainly seems to be the case 
with Norris Trophy winning defensemen, they always seem to be on top of the point leaderboards among defensemen. I'm not sure I can even name the great defensive defenseman in the league. Can you? Uh, good question. He goes on to ask, what was Duncan Keith considered in his prime? A defensive, puck-moving, or the offensive defenseman? I'm guessing all of them. That is correct. Duncan Keith, in his prime, was all of the above. And that's what made him the best defenseman by a mile in the NHL when he was in his heyday. I think the second best was a distant second back then. Before Duncan Keith, it was Nick Lidstrom and Chris Pronger from the Red Wings. And, from, and you know, Pronger played all over the place, Blues and Flyers and wherever. But those two guys were big, physical, shut down, and they kill you offensively. And they both had big size advantages over Duncan Keith, which makes what Keith did that much more amazing. He wasn't doing it with huge size. He had the speed and he had the endurance, but he didn't have the size. And I think, you know, Nick Lidstrom, probably the best defenseman I've ever seen play in my lifetime. Duncan Keith is right there, though. He really is. As for the best in the league now, when I think of really good defenders off the top of my head, they contribute offensively. Uh, Victor Hedman had, I believe, when the season was paused, 50-some points. Roman Yossi is a guy who has grown as a player. Started off more defensive-minded, and as he's grown, offense has become more part of his game. John Carlson of the Capitals, I just saw this the other day, had 75 points when the season was paused. 75 points. That's insane. The Caps must have played, what, maybe 70 games? Somewhere around there, like maybe give or take. A little bit off the top of my head, I'm not sure. 75 points for a defenseman, John Carlson. Patrick Kane had 84 for reference. So, those are the guys. You know, Mark Giordano, uh, Yossi, Petrangelo, guys like that. Younger players like Quinn Hughes are big point producers. Now, the defense isn't there yet for those guys. It's getting there, and they're good defensively. But as far as, like, the total package, Carlson, Hedman, Brent Burns, those are the guys who I think of as, like, total package NHL defensemen playing right now. Good question, Len. Appreciate that very much. Next question comes from Charlie. He says, would you rather have a beer with Joe Madden or John Madden? That's a good question. Now, are we talking about John Madden, the football broadcaster, or John Madden, the Blackhawk slash devil, more of a devil than a Blackhawk, let's be honest. Hmm. I've met Joe Madden, and I've had a beer with Joe Madden, so I'm going to say John Madden. I'd like to get the true story of the limo situation in Vancouver with him and Patrick Kane and some others. And that's just a dude who I'm sort of surprised isn't like a head coach yet in hockey. He always seemed like that guy who, you know, would be the kind of guy who would step like right into a coaching role. He did coach the... Was it the Cleveland? Yeah, the Cleveland Monsters for three years. But hasn't really been doing much since as far as I know. So who knows? 
But yeah, I'd like to have a beer with John Madden. Learn about some of those 90s Devils teams with Scott Steven and Brian Ralston and all those guys. Martin Brodeur. Get some of those stories. That'd be fun. That'd be a good time. Speaking of John Madden, when you watch Game 5 today or tomorrow, watch the impact that guy has on the Iceman. That was a great signing. An under undervalued and underappreciated move by Dale Talon when he made it. All right, two more questions here. Steven asks, based on what you know, how long would the NHL season need to be delayed to have Shaw, Dahan, and or Brent Seabrook back? Uh, yeah. I think you're looking at the beginning of next season, whenever that is, for those guys. I don't think there's any delay long enough to get them back this season. And one more comes from Grace. She says, first off, just wanted to say that I have a question, but I'm going to go on a bit of a spiral here for a moment, so feel free to skip down to the question. Thank you for this podcast. When I became a fan back in early November of 2019, this is one of the first podcasts I found. You've taught me so much about the Blackhawks and just hockey in general. I look forward to listening to your podcast every day. Thank you for continuing during the postponed season. You're offering us all an outlet to distract us from the chaos for a while. Grace, thank you very much. That's very meaningful. Um, I'm really sorry you missed all the fun stuff with the Blackhawks. As for my question, she says, if you had to choose one forward, one defenseman, and one goalie from the Blackhawks' current roster to be stuck on an island with, who would you choose? Hmm. All right. Current Blackhawk. Give me Brent Seabrook. It's because he'd have stories to tell. He's a strong guy. We could use him to... uh, you know, gather some wood, build some fires, things like that. That'd be good. Andrew Shaw would be a fun guy to be around. You know, he'd keep it light, keep it moving. And goalie, I'll go with... I'll go with Crawford. Because at some point, you need someone to just keep it quiet, chill everybody out, and just, you know, sometimes give the give the death stare a little bit just to settle the situation down, especially if Andrew Shaw is going to be there. All right, there's my answer. Hope it suffices, Grace. Thank you so much for listening and for all the kind words. I really do appreciate that. It means a lot to me to hear that from you guys. This is a lot of work. Believe it or not, doing a podcast every day is a lot of work. And uh, when I hear those kind words, when I get the feedback and the questions, I know you're out there listening, and that's that's what matters. So thank you for listening to this episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Hopefully my voice is better tomorrow for our Game 5 Breakdown Nashville Game 5 2010. Click the YouTube link in the description of this podcast. Watch the game, and we will break it all down on Wednesday on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And now that you've listened to this Lockdown Podcast, ask your smart speaker to play the latest episode of Locked on NHL. Jay Zawoski signing off. We will talk to you on Wednesday.